Welcome to Sacred Magic. Violet is on a quest to bring sacredness back into our everyday experiences. Anyone can have an extraordinary life when they're able to tap into their sacred magic within. Violet and her guests will be sharing their divine passions, inspirations, and stories of connecting with their sacred magic. We are so happy you have joined us today. Let's get started with your host, the magical creator of Discover Your Spiritual Gifts, Violet Rain. Welcome to Sacred Magic. This is episode number seven. I am Violet, your host, and today joining me is Michael Cutter, Heart Song. He is a life purpose coach and shamanic healer. He uses hand analysis to help people understand their gifts and live their most meaningful, authentic lives. His shamanic healing cleanses spiritual issues, balances energy and assists in healing trauma and other challenges to living their life purpose. Welcome to the show, Michael. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Violet. It's good to be here. So talk to me about all your work is around life purpose. And that's been what you've been really drawn to is to help people understand what their purpose is and how to help them have a better life. So share with us a little bit on, you know, your journey, how you got here and how you help others in finding their life purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, I guess my story is pretty classic in a sense because, you know, I went through a period of really uh, challenging, you know, years and, and what was born out of that was a, a strong calling into my life purpose, you know, to, to reignite my life, you know, and give me focus and direction and, and meaning. And I didn't think about my work in the sense of doing life purpose work. I never planned that, <laughs> but <laughs> as I worked, you know, my, my calling was really about doing healing and studying with indigenous healers, you know, from all over the world, really to, to learn these, these ways. Um, and, but then as I journeyed with that, I recognized, you know, that the healing that I was receiving which was helping me understand more of my gifts and more of my purpose, it just naturally led me into doing life purpose work and helping other people, you know, to step into their gifts and what their calling is in life. So I love that. I love that. And I love, you know, you've got a sign at the center for those listening. Michael's one of our readers at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. And he has this sign that he has on his table that says, show me your hands. And so all the time I see people coming up to him going. And so <laughs> what what information do you get from a person's hand? Share that a little bit with us. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Uh, so I'll just start with a little bit of background with how I actually started learning it. Um, one of the shamans that I work with, he's master healer in connected with traditions from Ecuador and other parts of South America. And he read my hands and his style of hand reading is, is very, uh, 
it's very brief in a sense. It's, it's not an in-depth sort of thing that he goes way into, but just at a glance, he was able to see what my core challenges were and what my purpose is. And when you understand those two dynamics, it's always, I say, life purpose has two sides. It's, it's your purpose and your challenges, your trauma. And they're always working together to create this, this, uh, this dynamic that really becomes your power when you work with it. Um, but I was so intrigued at how he could see so quickly within just 30 seconds or 60 seconds, what my core challenges were at the time. And, and so I knew that I wanted to learn from him and I apprenticed with him. I continue to apprentice with him to this day. Um, and then I've gone on to go deeper into the hand analysis, uh, through the IIHA, uh, and that's the International Institute of Hand Analysis. And it's a system that looks at all, it looks at the shape of the hands, um, the fingerprints, all of the lines, um, all kinds of dynamics, the color, the flexibility, the, the texture of the skin. Um, there's micro prints, like we call it fingerprints that exist in the hand that are uh, micro fine lines, like similar to the fingerprints. And all of this information can be used to, it's sort of a genetic blueprint, if you will, that, that shows the big picture of personality and like gifts of what we're here for. That might be relationships, you know, it might be service, it might be understanding life through the mind. There's, there's different aspects to that, but what it does is it shows us what elements are present within a person that they need to honor to, to feel like their life is meaningful and fulfilling. And I love, I love when that. you really get, my job is to distill that down into a, a simple presentation for them. But when you really start looking at, especially on some hands, there's a lot of lines and a lot of information and it's, pretty amazing how much is actually there. Well, as a shaman, as a shaman healer, talk to us a little bit about how trauma affects us and how we grow and move through that. Because I know that you face trauma in your life and a lot of the people that you're working with have faced trauma and how do you help them kind of work through that and get to a healthy place? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, I, I'm defining trauma as something that you experience where you feel powerless to do something about it. It could be something that happens to you. It could be something you witness. It's something that impacts you in an emotional, psychological way that leaves an impression. And so... You know, it, it's not necessarily overt trauma. It can just be growing up. <laughs> you know, it, it can be experiencing challenges in your uh, childhood due to, you know, conflict in the family or something like that, you know. 
but it's those types of experiences, you know, that, that we see, it's like, uh, for instance, the artist is a really easy one. It's, um, you know, artists typically experience criticism in the family. It's not necessarily even they experience criticism. They usually do, but they feel criticized because they have a heightened sensitivity to, um, part of the artist is a crit having a critical eye for things and being able to discern. So there's a heightened sensitivity. And so any sort of judgment against your character, whether it's meant as judgment or not, is taken very personally. Mm-hmm. And in order to, to live authentically as an artist, you need to get past that. You need to not care about what anybody thinks about your deep personal expression that you give to your art or whatever your creative outlet is. And so that's a basic uh, example of how that works, but it's there in, in every archetype that exists, whether it's leadership or, you know, the mentor or um, the healer, all these different possibilities of archetypes that exist within us as, as how we are called to show up in life. There's a challenge side to that, that, directly impacts our ability to live authentically to the calling. I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, every, every person, every walk of life faces their own challenges, their own disappointments. I mean, that's part of this experience, right? Is learning how to grow and expand through that and being able to show up and who you are. And it's not always easy. It's not easy for any of us, right, to kind of get through it, but it can be done. Um, And I I love the work you do. I know um, at the center today or right now this, uh, you've um, added healing circles um, to the work that we do at the center. Talk to us a little bit about what is a healing circle? What do you offer in healing circles? And what are those about that is one of your offerings? Yeah, Healing Circle started several years ago um, as a way to just basically confront the conditioning that we've all experienced uh, about how we relate. You know, there's a lot of impersonalization especially in our culture. As I travel the world, you know, people look you in the eye and they relate personally. They're not afraid to touch. They're not afraid to share from the heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but here we've, you know, in, in for many reasons, I mean, we have our professional life, we have our personal life, and we have all these different categories of of how we're supposed to show up but in that compartmentalization that that we create it can easily lead to an impersonalization of how we show up which in some ways is really at the heart of a lot of our challenges that we have you know we we can't relate authentically in our work and so it doesn't feel meaningful to us 
And so the healing circle was created as a, as a way to give people those experiences of connecting in simple ways. And it's amazing the experiences that, that happen there and how people, total strangers, just, they see through the illusions and they connect and it's really beautiful. Well, I love that. And you're right. Our world, you know, I'm from the, I'm from the South and I love to hug people, but I also spent 20 years as an HR person and that's a no, no. So there's all this conflict and then COVID comes along and adds another layer, right. Uh, to all of that and expectations. Right. And so I've gotten, or I've tried to get really good at, may I give you a hug? Um, to ask permission, right? But in my culture, how I was raised, you just hug people and not everybody is really comfortable with hugs or touching or, you know, uh, we also in Southern, we, we hun and all of this and you can't do that either. So you have to, you know, kind of regroup and those are all loving kind of connections that are not appropriate anymore. So you have to go, okay, you can't do that. Uh, you gotta think about others, right? So um, I get all of that. So I love that aspect. So as you travel the world, Michael, how is, how is healing different in these countries? What do you learn that's very different from healing here in America and what we do here in the United States. What are some of the big ahas that you've gained along your way? I think, you know, there's a couple of things that really stand out. One of them is the way that people relate, the, the sense of community that they have and togetherness that they have and how they, they work in their lives. Um, it's very communal, especially in the indigenous areas. It's, they're very, very connected. They rely on those connections for their stability in life. And, you know, the other thing that comes to mind right away is just the way that the healing works. Uh, there tends to be here in, I think in North America, particularly, a real sensitivity, like a heightened sensitivity around emotions and feeling emotion. And it's kind of like people are afraid to really feel because there's so much that's been suppressed, you know, throughout, you know, in, in our, you could talk about it from an ancestral perspective that, you know, culturally we carry because of the, the things that have happened in, you know, over the last, you know, 500 or a thousand years. And, you know, so there's a real suppression of emotion. And in our healing, I notice a lot of people really kind of tiptoeing around that and not being really direct about confronting those challenges. But in the indigenous cultures, it's very different than that. It's very direct because, you know, one of the things that has been said time and time again to me is, you know, as a healer, our job is not to make people feel better. It's to help them heal. In other words, sometimes we need to say things that are challenging 
or help people understand things that are challenging that might be uncomfortable. And that's a part of that healing process. And in those indigenous cultures, it's very strong and very direct in those ways. It's, it really takes it right to the point of what needs to happen. And it's not always easy, but it's what's necessary to you know, break through patterns in our lives and, and really step into who we are. I love that aspect, right? And it's true. You know, some things are hard to hear or hard to face, right? Or hard to look at within ourselves, right? And um, I know I see people that are like, oh, that's not me, that's you. That's your issue, not my issue. And the reality is, is it's both of your issues, right? Because it takes two to do this dance, this tango, um, and it's not one-sided. And I feel like spirit sometimes mirrors behaviors back to us to get us to see our own behaviors, our own blocks, our own issues. And we're continually going, well, that person has a real problem. That person has a real issue. And it's like, mm, they're mirroring back who you are and you're not noticing it, right? It's called that shadow work that we have to see. And it takes a really strong person or a person in the right place to say, okay, what is this in this experience that I'm not seeing that I need to see? Please help me, you know, see that clearly. What is it I'm not getting that I need to get? Because typically when we're triggered about something, it's something within us that's getting triggered. It's not necessarily that person. It's something we're supposed to be seeing. Do you find that in your work as well? Absolutely. Yes, you know? I've had some interesting conversations over the years about that. You know, <laughs> people ask me that question. And I mean, I'll go as far as to even say that 100% of the time when we're triggered by something, it's our stuff. And it doesn't mean that that the other person is correct in their action or not being very, uh, not coming from some trauma response or something. But if we're being triggered by it, that's ours to own. Mm -hmm. And that's opportunity for us to learn about who we are, about what our, uh, what our own triggers are and, and really, uh, you know, when we can, when we can experience these things, these conflicts or confrontations, whatever it is with compassion, a true sense of compassion, then we know we've really healed that dynamic within ourselves because we see through it. Mm -hmm. If we don't see through it, we get triggered. I love that. I love that. Here's the other side note that I know you do. I know you make incense. What got you into making your own incense line? So talk to us a little bit about how you utilize incense and why it was so important to you to create your own line. Cause I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. Well, for many years I've used incense as part of my own, you know, meditation and healing practice. 
Um, I was a part of traditionals then uh, circles years ago. And, you know, the Japanese incense always really spoke to me. There's not a lot of incenses I can use because there's artificial ingredients and they just, I get headaches. I'm sensitive to a lot of the, the products that are out there. And, you know, it was about, I think about 2016, maybe, uh, with the shaman that I worked with from South Africa. And I had been experimenting with loose incenses, like mixing my own formulas of resins and different herbs and putting them on charcoal. And he always had me do the cleansing for, you know, the groups before we go into ceremony. And sometimes there's 25 or 30 people going into ceremony. It's a lot of work. And I showed him this loose incense blend and he was so excited about that. He asked me to use it for the cleansing. And typically I just use like, you know, like bundles of sage with white sage and other sage to, to do the cleanse. And so I agreed to do it with this new incense blend that I had made. But using the charcoals and having to put the herbs on the charcoals and do the smudging and the cleansing, it was so hard and it was so laborious. And I was thinking to myself through the process, and it was really nice, you know, it was really beautiful. But I was thinking to myself that I've got to find a way to get all this stuff into a stick form so that I can use it. And so that's what ignited that whole process and started me thinking in that way. And what I came up with, it ended up being not that different than the Japanese incense that I had always loved. It was just that it was a thicker, fatter stick to get more smoke for smudging. And then eventually I started thinking, wondering if I could make those little thin sticks like I see that I use for my meditation. And that's how it began. And, you know, I started making formulas that I couldn't find, you know, using different aromatics than, uh, than what are used because so much of what's out there is culturally based, you know, like from Japanese perspective or Tibetan uh, perspective. And I wanted to incorporate a lot of the ingredients that we use in the traditions, you know, like in, in North America and South America that I've learned. So what are some of your favorites that you like to use? If you're using resins and herbs, what are you drawn to, Michael, in your, in your work that you utilize? It changes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have, I like all of the blends that I've made and at different times, you know, maybe it's been a few months since I burned one and I'll light it up and I just can't get enough of it and I'll work with it for a while. And then I get filled up with that and I go on to another one. But I, I just do that repetitively. I love all of the formulas that I've made. Um, Share with us some of those and what you like to use them for. Are they used for different things? Is that, yeah. is that how it is? So talk to us, because I, I like your incense and I'm very in, interested in some of those. 
but they're definitely blends that I haven't seen in other things. So tell me their purpose and, and give me a little bit of information on those. Yeah, I guess, you know, when I first started sitting down and creating the different formulas, um, I was meditating with it and I was getting these kind of downloads of like, you know, different ingredients, kind of like, like different essences of what I wanted to capture. And so I started creating the formulas and it took me a couple of years to really perfect them. Um, at least most of them to get it into production. It's a very tricky process to, to go through. So it took a while, but you know, I started working with local herbs and, you know, with pine resins, uh, with the local sages, artemisias and other, uh, tree resins that, are found here in Colorado. And I started with a lot of that and then started incorporating um, things from, that are used more traditionally in incense from around the world, you know, the frankincense and benzoin and myrrh and sandalwoods and all the different materials. There's probably a hundred different materials that I, you know, can choose to work with. And I just started, it's kind of like cooking, you know, you you find a recipe, but then you add things or take things out and you change it to, to really, so that it really feels right to you. And that's what each of these formulations have been like. Well, and I love that because I tell people the same thing, you know, I make sprays and you know, you have a class and you teach people how to make sprays and they put it together in an instant and they think that's it. And I'm like, no, I will sit with stuff for like months, weeks. I went, oh, I don't like that. I want a little less of this and a little more of that. And I tweak it and it takes me months, weeks to settle on something that has the energy vibration essence that I'm looking for and the smell and, and the energetic work. And so it's, I know I understand processes of, you try things and you're like, oh, it's okay, but it's not quite where I want it to be. I'll add a little of this and I'll add a little of that. We'll try that for a little while. But I love that. And I love the fact that you're doing classes at the center where people are learning a little bit about incense mm -hmm. and how to make them. And I just think all of that's really cool. And, you know, you're so broad in what you do and offer that I love that about you. It's not just one thing you do all these amazing things and i want people to see that wide range of things that you offer so um you know as we close you know how do people find your incense how do they find you how do they work with you what are some of the things you're offering i'd love to know a little bit about that and i'll add it into all the written documentation so people can find you yeah, I mean, well, as you know, it's sold at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. Uh huh. <laughs> Got a little display of uh, not all, I think, of the, the products, but most of them. And my website, that's really the best place to see the full uh, line of what I do is on the website. Or, you know, go there and, and get a hold of me and get a, and do an in-person 
showing of the incenses, you know, where you can experience them. Yeah, and your sessions are on there where people can contact you, I'm sure, to schedule a one-on-one session. Um, mm-hmm. Do you also post your events on your website? Can they find yep. what you're doing on there as well? Because I know you do events at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts, but other places too. So I want to make sure that people can find those as well. Yeah, yeah. You can go to uh, www.michaelhartsong.com. That takes you to all of the healing services, the upcoming events, and you can find links to the incense and the drums and all the other things that I that I do um, at that same site. The incense is on a separate site, uh, but there's links there on my healing site that take you to it. Yeah, such beautiful beautiful work. I'm so glad that you're part of Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. I think you add such an amazing element there. Um, And I just love being able to see you on a regular basis and kind of connect. So thank you for that. And if you haven't connected with Michael, I would recommend that highly. Um, He's typically at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts in Littleton on Wednesdays if he's not traveling or out of town doing uh, his programs in other countries. He's typically there. If he's not traveling, you can always stop by and say hi. He would love that. And just know that um, he has a website and you can do one-on-ones and I'm sure he does online stuff. Is that correct? You're able to connect with people internationally. So if that's the case, you can connect with him there. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Violet. It's It's been a pleasure, and um, I really enjoy being a part of the community that you've created. It's, um, it's nice to feel a part of something like that. It's uh, a great space that you have there. Well, thank you for that. Um, you know, our goal is to create community. I think we don't have enough of it in this world of community, especially in the United States. And I think we crave connection and community. So I, I love the fact that we're able to do that. So, um, and I joy, I really love my team. So I love connecting with all the different, you know, healing modalities and all the different gifts and talents that so makes it really good. So I hope to see all of you really soon and discover your spiritual gifts. And if not, Please follow and connect with us, and we hope to see you really soon. Thanks for joining us today. Are you looking for an opportunity to fill your energy tank? When was the last time you invested in self-care? Violet leads a weekend retreat every year in Woodland Park, Colorado. The purpose of the retreat is to reflect, restore, re-energize, and restore one's energy, focus, and direction. Violet's retreats provide the opportunities to connect, learn, and explore your healing and spirituality. What are you waiting for? You can find out more about this annual retreat at www.discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. Thank you for joining us. To find out more about Violet, head over to discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. You can also send a personal message to Violet through email, violet at discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. 
If you love the show, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Until next time, remember, we are meant to have abundant and joyful lives. We hope to see you soon at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts.